Shout your praise forever. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to church. Uh, for some of us, this might be a very familiar experience. You've gathered with Mountain Online before. And for others of us, this is your first time. Maybe it's your first experience with Mountain in any kind of way. And in any case, welcome. It's very good for us to be doing this today. Uh, we're all experiencing something that's very unfamiliar and unique and, and scary in a lot of ways. And uh, if we could be anywhere right now, I think it would be gathered in this way, maybe not under one roof, but gathered in a very meaningful and uh, important way nonetheless to do what we're doing right now, worshiping God together. Just a few things to note about this service and about our days ahead as a church. Uh, first of all, if you would want to get ready some bread and some juice, we're going to share in a meal called Communion or the Lord's Supper a little bit later on in the service, and you can be ready for that. And then after we finish this worship experience, we'll start right into a special service for kids and families. So if you've got some little ones around and you want to stay tuned for that, you're welcome to do that after we conclude this part of the service. Uh, also, we're staying up to date with uh, a lot of the, the changes and adjustments that we're making, and you can stay up to date uh, on our website, mountaincc.org slash coronavirus. Certainly there will be a number of things that need to be postponed or canceled, but there will also be several ways that we're trying to stay connected and doing things maybe just in a different uh, platform, connecting digitally uh, instead of physically over the coming days. So for example, campus groups will still meet this week. They will just do that on a digital platform. Uh, connecting through a tool that's designed for video meetings, and many of us have used that before. So if you're used to coming to campus groups, come on. Well, don't come. Just tune in online. The links are available on our website for you to use. And if, the, if you just are looking for a place to connect, or you want to study God, or you're ser- searching for some direction for your life, you want to see what it's all about, join us th- for those campus groups. And again, the links are on our website. Also, we are always welcoming new people to Mountain, and we primarily do that through a thing that we call Welcome to Mountain. And for the first time ever, we're going to be hosting that digitally. There will be um, some different events this week. Again, you can click on the link, and we can connect in that way. So if you're new around here, or you've got some questions, you're trying to just discover, you're, you're searching, like, could this be a place for me, or could I find God in this place? We'd love to help answer those questions and just meet you and maybe start a journey with you uh, at Welcome to Mountain. And again, you can do that online. Stay tuned. There will be a lot of other ways that we're trying to stay connected as a church, and even in the midst of adjusting our routine, and even as we have to do a lot of uh, wise and precautionary things to uh, disengage and maybe stay home and not, you know, share our germs with the world. Those are all important things to do, but it's also important for us to stay connected and to stay engaged in the ways that we can, and we'll do everything that we can with the resources we have as a church to enable um, some digital kinds of connections and continue to serve and care for one another in all the ways that we can. So uh, thinking not just about um, how to stay connected with one another, but how we connect with God and how we worship God. That's why we're gathering today to do that. One of the things that we do when we worship God every week is we, we have an opportunity to worship God through the giving of offering. It's where we just offer something to God. It's a way to put God first and to honor God and to join Him in His mission through this church, which is, is going out from here and, and bringing healing and hope and peace and love really in our community and around the world. Uh, so giving is nothing that anyone has to do. No one should feel any kind of obligation to do it. But if you want to give and, and worship in that way, you're invited to do that. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the impact that um, uh, this mission can have and how it's already had an impact through the online presence that we've had even to this point. So many people have found hope and found a connection with this church and found a new relationship with God because of the online presence that we've had. It just wouldn't have been available if the mission didn't take shape and go forward in that way. And so it just is a reminder that when we give, we give to a mission. And sometimes the mission looks like people connecting in digital ways, 
finding community and finding God. And that's a really important thing that we all want to be committed to. So uh, whatever way you give, you can give online. Maybe you're like, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I've, I should set that up. It'd be really easy. Well, and you've never done it. Well, now's a good time. You can do that. Set up online giving. It's easy. There's instructions again on our website, and you can give in that way. However you do it, if you text it, if you do it online, if you mail it in, whatever you're doing, again, let it be a way for you to worship God. Don't feel any obligation to do it, but let it be a way to say thank you and to join God in his mission through this church and a way to just honor God. That's what we're doing today, and we're going to continue to worship. Our band is going to come back and just usher us into the presence of God, even in the presence of our friends or family or whoever we're experiencing this with in our living rooms or wherever we are. We're going to worship God together right now, and we'll start doing that uh, through singing together right now. Hey, everybody. For the next few moments, we're going to worship together as we sing some songs. And we're going to sing songs that remind us who God is. And they're going to remind us that God is good and that God is with us. That's an important message for all of us, that God is with us. You know, we may find ourselves in, uh, in our own homes right now, not together physically, but God is with each and every one of us. And we have a community together because of that. We are the church, the body of Christ. And I know this, that when I worship, when I sing to God, that something happens inside of me. Something happens, and I'm changed, and I'm more aware that God is with me. And I hope that in these next few moments as we sing, that you'll be aware of that, that God is with you, that God through his Holy Spirit is right here with us. That's great news. That's a great promise that we have from God, that he is with us and that he is good. So over the next few moments as we sing, I invite you to take a posture of worship. Maybe that means you want to stand up right in your living room. Or maybe you're sitting at your kitchen table with a cup of coffee, and uh, I encourage you uh, to take a posture of worship. That may be seated, that may be standing. You may be curled up on the couch, and uh, turn your heart, turn your heart and your mind to God right now in worship. Let's sing some songs together.
looking back on where we've come from Because of you and nothing we've done To deserve the love and mercy you've shown But your grace was strong enough to pick us up And you, you made a way When our backs were when our backs were against the wall And it looked as if it was over Lord, you made a way And we're standing here Only because you made a way we thank you. We thank you, God, for reminding us that you are God who makes a way even when our backs 
feel like we are on the wall and we don't know what next you tell us in this song that you have made a way and we come to you now God thinking of all the impact this virus has caused around the world where many people right now are feeling like what next why this you're reminding us you have made a way we can always come to you at all times in times of fear times of grief times of pain you have made a way through your son Jesus who have seen death and is risen and is here and in his name we want to lift all the people all over the world in Italy in China in this country people may be right now grieving and asking where is God why is this happening around the world but this song is reminding us that you have made a way and when we look at how you came through your son to rescue us we pray that you rescue this situation rescue and prevent the spread of this virus because you're a God who can come in and rescue and save and redeem us from all wrong and all sickness and pain. So we yield. We look to you. We bring our questions. And we think of you, Jesus, when we went to see your friend Lazarus when he had died and you cried and you wept. And this tells us you feel our sufferings. You're not away from the situation. When our lives are disrupted and we are wondering, where are you? Why is this happening to me? You remind us that you're right there in the pain. And I pray you in that home. I pray you in that question. I pray you in all the families that are disrupted right now and need your faith and need your reassurance and need an answer that seems to be nowhere at this moment. So I lift our families, I lift our churches, I lift our employers. I lift our countries to you, God, for it's this time where we desire to see someone with a bigger answer and a better answer, and we can come running to you, oh God, because you are God who is not defeated by sickness and disease. So thank you. We pray your miraculous power to touch, to heal, to reduce the spread and to engage us to believe beyond darkness, to believe that life will continue, to know that you came and conquered death and you're alive and you are the answer in every situation. Visit us these times. Reassure us you're the same God who's been faithful from generation to generation. And this 
is not bigger than your name and your ability. So thank you so much that you're always here. You see our tears. You see when we are up. You see us when we're down. And we come to you. Wipe every tear. See every fear. Touch all the lonely. Heal every sickness and disease. And help us know, help us know that Jesus, you can visit every home, every nursing home, everyone disrupted right now. You can see them and communicate with them. Because you don't give up. You don't lose a battle. You're a God who loves the world. And this time we desire to feel, to touch, to embrace your love like we've never felt before. Thank you. When we are down, when we can't believe no more, when all the questions have no answers, Jesus, Holy Jesus, help us. Help the world. Help the church and strengthen your people listening right now to believe, to love, and hope in a God who can do this, who does miracles. We pray all these believing that you will do something different because we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.
That's an awesome song and a great word for all of us right now. Uh, God's holding on, and so you hold on to him, and he holds on to us. Hey, I just want to say welcome myself. I know you've been welcomed in, but man, welcome to you, whoever you are and wherever you're joining us from. Uh, it's so good that we can set aside some time just to honor God, to seek God together, to come before him and his word and... Um, you know, they told us you can't meet right now uh, in gatherings, but we can meet online. And so here we are, wherever you're joining us from, your kitchen, your bedroom, your dining room, your bathroom, I don't know where you are, but man, I'm really glad that, that we all get to be together. And we're going to continue to meet. Um, you know, throughout the week, uh, I know that Groups Ministries got some great stuff planned, and groups are going to be connecting online. I know kids and students have some ideas. I got a call from the kids' ministry saying, hey, will you be prepared to do a magic trick for uh, the kids yeah, this week? And I'm just like, well, okay. So I, I know they got some fun things planned, a little bit of crazy stuff. Stay tuned on that. So just because our physical campuses are closed for a while, um, we're going we're gonna to stop going to church, but uh, we are... Not going to stop being the church. 
All right, that, that's what's going on right now, friends. Uh, this whole coronavirus is a crisis thing. We know that. But it's an incredible opportunity for the people of God to rise up and to seize the moment and to step into it in ways that God leads us to. So I would just say, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands. That's great, great, great. But let's look for ways to wash feet and to really serve our community, to just be there for people. You're going to see opportunities to step up. And, uh, and will be the church. Church has never been a place. It's never been a building. It's always, always, always been the people. And we remember that right now for sure. It's not an activity you go to once a week. It's, a, it's an identity you embrace for your whole life. It, it's the people, right? So that's what we're doing right now. Most of all, church is not, um, is not a place you go to have your needs met. Friends, the church is the people of God who know that Jesus has met our deepest need and now he sends us to meet needs and be on the lookout for how we can do that together and on your own in your neighborhoods. We know one of the big needs right now is that a lot of people are stressed out. A lot of people have some panic. A lot of people have anxiety and we're going to address that. You remember a few months ago when if you heard the word corona a few months ago, you would probably think about the beer commercial. Remember the beer commercial where you, you had literally people sitting on the beach thinking about relaxing, idyllic you know, things and relaxation. Okay, So we've been in this series right now reminding us that that uh, that is not what people think about when they hear the word corona anymore. The series is called Anxious for Nothing. And, you know, God's timing is just so perfect because before this pandemic outbreak hit, we planned this thing. And then all is leading up in the middle of this thing. We were talking about ways that God's word could help us with our anxiety. And so, um, you know, if you think about it, that first word of the word, the first part of the word anxious has the word like angst in it. And that's because it comes from the same root word. And, and when you're anxious, you have angst. You have a dread about the future. And that's how a lot of people feel. So we thought we were going to be moving on and starting a new series uh, today. God had other plans. Uh, we're calling an audible uh, because things started dropping off and stopping. You know, NBA went down and March Madness. You should have seen how depressed Jared Fox was when we got word that there was going to be no March Madness this year. But all this stuff is shutting down and the anxiety kept ramping up. And, and so we're, we're just going to step into that. Um, and, and, and keep going with some things that we think God has some more to say from his word about this. Uh, you know, the coronavirus is, is no joke. Um, you know, it's a pandemic. People can get sick and die and all of that. But I promise you this, my friends. The, the, the biggest problem and the greatest threat in America today is not the coronavirus. It's the, it's the presence of panic it's the sort of sickness of soul that just leads a person to worry and fret and sort of lose their life and get caught in the prison of anxiety. And that's what the real epidemic is when we kind of lose our way. And so we're going we're gonna to speak into that. And we also want to say, you know, um, as we do this kind of audible, that God just wants us to be able to win the war on worry and, and to replace some of the panic with, with peace and as we go at this deal, we've been careful to say every week, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a thing that is simple. We don't mean to make light of, of, of anything with mental health or anxiety. In fact, we want to say, you know, it, it, it's a multi-pronged approach that often is needed. It may take diet or exercise or counseling or therapy or medication, whatever. But we also know this, 
Anxiety has deep spiritual roots, and it has deep spiritual resources as well. So we're going to go to God's Word and call on this familiar passage once again that we've been looking at over the last several weeks, and I know a lot of you are just joining us, so maybe go catch those other messages, but you can catch up with us today because we're going to look at a passage in the book of Philippians. It's written by a guy named Paul. It's helpful to kind of back up and get the context here and remember this. Paul is a guy who went to Rome on a mission. He had a purpose for going there, but listen... His plans got canceled by the government, okay? Sound familiar? He is, you could say, quarantined indefinitely, right? He's in prison. No Netflix in prison. It's even worse. And he's chained up to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. So I don't know, he probably couldn't touch his nose or mouth or face either. Couldn't shake anyone's hand. So our situation's exactly like his, I guess, right? Maybe his might be a little worse since he is facing certain torture or death. The point is, if anybody could feel anxious and had an excuse for having anxiety, it would be Paul. And yet, here he is, not only just in prison, he's got peace. So he writes this letter from jail about joy. And so we're going to put the words on the screen so everyone, wherever you're watching from, we can read it together. Can I just encourage you when we do that, read it out loud. There's just some power in that. And also just it'll help us feel more united as we're all in our different places kind of reading these words from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Let's bring the words up and let's read it together. Here we go. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks for reading that together with me. I hope you notice the way he ends that whole passage. He gets done talking about worry, prayer, thanks, and all of that stuff. And what does he say? He says, put it into practice. Make like Elvis. It's time for a lot less talk and a lot more action. He's saying, it's great that you understand this and heard this. And friends, I would just say this could not be more relevant to us right now. Now's the time to put it into practice. Put it into practice. Like, do this stuff. And let's change the way that we get through tough times, the default paths that we normally have coped with things. Let's change that. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you and me as much as they were with Paul. Now, we don't have a vaccine yet. Uh, They're working on it, but we do have four antidotes 
to anxiety, and we kind of have been spelling the word calm with those. We'll review those quickly, and again, if you're just joining us, you know, go back to previous weeks, but it spells the word calm. C, remember, stands for celebrate, where he talks about rejoicing in the Lord always. A is ask God. That's the prayer piece, because prayer is the pathway to peace. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And then L is list it. That's our gratitude, our attitude that just says, man, it's the best antidote we have for anxiety, is thinking of what we're thankful for. And then last week we talked about M for mindfulness, like mind your mind because how you feel in your gut starts in your brain. And if we can get some bad stuff out and good stuff in, the peace of Christ will guard it and keep it that way. So Paul doesn't just teach this stuff. He's sitting in jail, putting on a clinic for how to do it. And he says, now do what I do. Now you do it. So here's here's the important thing I think we got to understand. Belief always drives behavior, okay? Belief always drives behavior. What you believe, like in your head and in your core convictions about things, determine the way you believe. So if you believe a bunch of dumb and bad stuff, it's going to come out in your life in unhealthy ways. If you have some good things that you believe, the truth, it's going to help you and you're going to be more healthy. And so nothing reveals what your beliefs actually are about God and life Faster, nothing brings your beliefs to the surface quicker than a good old-fashioned panic storm. Like, for example, maybe a pandemic, okay? So that's what's going on. And Paul says if you're anxious and you feel anxiety, don't just look at the symptoms. Look at what's inside with your belief system and your assumptions. Because your behavior reflects your beliefs, so we want to learn from Paul because he, he can show us a couple of huge beliefs that if we get right will really help us in the battle against anxiety. Now, a lot of, a lot of people these days are going to the CDC website, uh, Center for Disease Control, right? It's a good source to go for information and so forth. That's great. But we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to remember to go to CDC, all right, three letters that spell out these core beliefs. And can you believe that God thought of this 2,000 years ago? He gave us an outline that goes with CDC. Who knew? The first C we're going to talk about right now is this, calm, calm is contagious. Calm is contagious. Isn't that true? Calm is contagious. Let me tell you a story. It's about an unsung hero back in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. All right? His name was Vasily Arkhipov. It's a fun name to say. Vasily Arkhipov. He was this commodore, um, the chief of staff, if you will, over a fleet of like four Russian submarines that came within a trigger pull of destroying the world, honestly. They were part of a Soviet fleet that was commissioned to go out with some secret instructions that they were only going to open once they got to sea. And what they thought they were going to do is like do a, a usual training mission out on the Siberian coast or something like that. But in fact, they were directed 5,000 miles southwest down to guard the, the city of Havana, Cuba. Now, the sailors on that sub were severely tested over the next three weeks. Uh, they, they surfaced that sub so they could go faster, and they went right into the teeth of Hurricane Daisy, which had 50-foot waves. So the, the crew is, is nauseated. And then came the warm water. 
the sub was designed for the cold Arctic waters up by Russia. It wasn't equipped to keep things cool. And so they got in those tropical waters and the temperature in that thing got like 120 degrees. So the men are dying in there. They're stressed. They're claustrophobic. They're hot. They're nauseous. And everything's very, very anxious and on edge. And in that setting, Moscow sends some new instructions to, to move from Havana closer to the coast of Florida. Very strange instructions, which they did. And of course, as soon as they got anywhere close to Florida, they are immediately surrounded by about a dozen American ships and destroyers and aircraft carriers. And so October 27, 1962, you've got this very tense situation. Four Russian submarines and a dozen American ships surrounding them very close to the coast of Florida. The American ships pretty quickly began setting off depth charges, which are like these minor explosions that are intended to bring up, you know, whoever's down there for identification and communication. Well, the Soviet submarine, which was called B-59, was trying to hide so deep that it wasn't getting radio signals. They're just hearing these depth charges. They think that war has broken out. And so they begin to panic. The, The captain loses his cool, and he calls a meeting, and he sends out an order, blast them, full-on attack. And what the Americans didn't know, and what I haven't told you yet, is that those four Soviet submarines were each armed with a nuclear warhead. Each one had a torpedo bomb of horrifying power that each one could destroy an American city on its own. And they're just miles off the Florida coast with a command to blast them. Fortunately, Vasily Arkhipov was on that submarine as well, and he was one of the three commanders, and he respectfully and quietly, as a kind of respected leader, um, in his own soft-spoken way, asked the captain to reconsider. Shouldn't we maybe surface and see what the Americans have in mind? And somehow, his calmness persuaded the captain, against his pride, to do just that. And we actually have a picture here I want you to see. This is an actual picture of that submarine, B-59, surfacing. And you can see some of the American choppers and whatnot there. They were greeted by the Americans. They were not taken captive. And a few hours later, those subs dove back down and they headed back to Russia, where this story was kept under wraps for 40 years until the year 2002. U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara has said, we came this close to nuclear war. President Kennedy's uh, advisor said, this was not only the most dangerous moment in the Cold War, this was the most dangerous moment in the history of the world. But nuclear war was avoided that day because Vasily Arkhipov kept his calm. And his calm was contagious That's how it works in a time when things are tense. It's how it works in a family. It's how it works in a marriage. It's how it works at work. It's how it works in a church. It's how it works in a community. You're probably not going to spend three weeks cooped up in a tense, you know, situation, sick in a submarine, right? But, but, but you are going to spend some time maybe cooped up at home, maybe uh, trying not to get sick with some tensions high at, at your job or who knows. And we all are sailing into some potentially choppy waters economically, aren't we? Or maybe your business is going to take a torpedo. I don't, we don't know. 
Maybe your kids are out of school and you don't know what you're going to do about that. Uh, or, or, or maybe you're just really bummed that your spring sports season is canceled. And that's a big deal to you. Or, or your Disney vacation, I heard someone say today, is off. You know, Disney's closed. Or you're just watching too much news and you're totally freaked out. Or your 401k is now shrunk down to a 301k, right? We've got lots of reasons that, that we can have our tensions high. And what we do is we spend a lot of time paying attention to what we hear and see and have received on the news and social media and the CDC website. And Paul says, pay attention to what you've heard and seen and received from me, from someone who understands this. And that's what we need to do because it's time for the people of God to demonstrate the peace of God. And that happens when you get your calm on. And that, my friend, is contagious because we're all going to have opportunities to hit the button, to send off a panic you know, attack or a torpedo of anger or anxiety and more anxiousness and release all that into the atmosphere. And God's people are just supposed to be different, to bring a non-anxious presence. I promise you there's someone in your life that God might need you to be sent by the Prince of Peace, Jesus, to bring a non-anxious, peaceful presence to them. Calm is contagious. Look at, look at what he says here. If you look at verse 4 and 5. He says... Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he adds this on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It means have a level head. When others are panicking, their heads are bobbing, you've got a level head. You're not going to fly off the handle. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, exude tranquility. Okay? Not like obliviousness to what's going on, but... Bring that non-anxious presence. Let your, evident, your, your gentleness be evident to all. Parents, your kids need to hear you talk about what's going on, maybe your own fears, but mostly they need your gentleness to be evident to them because fear is contagious and panic is, is, is epidemic and freaking out goes rival. We all know that. But a non-anxious presence is contagious too. And that feels more like the presence of Jesus who knew how to keep his calm in the midst of a storm. So think about what you're saying. Think about what you're posting. Think about how you're reacting because calm is contagious. Now I've got to ask, how do, you, how do you catch a case of calmness, really? Is it just an act? If you're going to spread it, how do you catch it? How do you contract the virus of non-anxious presence? Well, Paul says it's about what you believe, Remember? And, and as you come to believe that, as what he says, the Lord is near, you'll see the two go together. Remember, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Those two go together. Anxiety spreads and grows when you think you're all on your own. And, and, and it's all up to you. God doesn't know. God doesn't care. And, 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 and of course, you're going to panic. And have anxiety. And that's how a lot of people look at problems. If they have problems in their life, their conclusion is, well, God must have left me. God must be absent because I have problems. If I walk into a divorce court, that can only mean God walked out on me. If I'm in a hospital, it means that God doesn't care for me. Or if I've got some kind of stress, you know, God must be absent. And this sort of thinking just is horrible because it means we're going to go through everything alone and we cut God off. I'm alone. I got problems and now I got to try to solve it myself and it just spirals and gets worse and worse and worse. And Paul says, hey, put your calm on, put your gentleness on display because listen, God is with you. The Lord is near. So you be the one 
who lets your gentleness be evident. Where you say, God is with me, God is with us, God is still here. Yeah, we got no more NBA basketball. Yeah, we got no March Madness. Man, I, I can't tell you how sad Jared was when he found out that there was no March Madness. Yeah, we got no Disney travel and all this stuff, but God hasn't left. God is here. God is near. Maybe your friend did leave you. Maybe your health is leaving you. Maybe your mind is leaving you. Maybe your kids are leaving you. Maybe your youth has left you. Well, don't forget, God has not left you. The the presence of problems doesn't mean the absence of God. Just like Paul, you can put on a clinic of being calm. Because you know that no matter what's going on, the Lord is near. And God is with us right now, my friend. You will never be where God is not. Over the next few days, hours, weeks, I don't know, months, maybe the rest of your life, can you just live with that? You'll never be where God is not. The Lord is here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Keep your calm because it's contagious. The second thing in our CDC search here, the first one is that we can keep our calm on because that's contagious. And remember, the Lord is near. But the second belief that really anchors Paul in here is that Paul believed God was in control. And the word for that in the Bible is sovereignty. And so that's the D. You see it there. The D is in CDC stands for divine sovereignty. It's a big, long, fancy-sounding word, but sovereignty, you recognize right in the middle of that word, the word reign. It means that God reigns. He's the undisputed king of the universe, and nothing happens outside of his knowledge and control. He's reigning. He's sovereign. He's the king. And so Paul firmly believes that. It's so interesting to me that he barely gets started writing this letter to the Philippians, before he's talking about the sovereignty of God. It's crazy. um, Skip back to chapter 1 of Philippians, and what you notice there is is that he does his little intro like he always does uh, with people when he starts his letters. Hi, y'all in Philippi. It's me, Paul. I love you. Grace and peace. Hey, I miss you. I'm praying for you. And then the first thing he does is he starts talking about the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 6. He says, And I am being confident of this, that he, he's talking about God, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friend, listen, God has begun a work in you, and it's good. And he hasn't given up, and he's not going to stop. And he will carry it on. God is going to finish the job. That's the good news. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I know we've all got curveballs that happen in life. And sometimes you may wonder, is God still with me at all? You know, what, what, what's happening here? Things don't always go as they're planned. We wonder if, you know, God, I thought he promised me this, and, and then it seems like maybe it's not happening. And you begin to wonder, you know, how is this going to work out? Where am I going? What am I doing? What's happening? And it can begin to build this anxiety inside of us, right? And you can say with Paul that you're confident. He says confident. You can say, I'm confident. The same God who started at work in me is going to finish the job. He's going to, he hasn't abandoned me. He's still at work. And whatever it looks like in the world and my life, however it might appear, I am confident in divine sovereignty, which is a fancy way of saying, if you want to put your peace into practice, you need to put your faith into God. Let me say it again. If you want to put your peace into practice, 
put your faith in God. That's how you trust the sovereignty of God. He's in control. Sovereignty promises us that that God is such a God that even when something goes bad, God can make it turn out right. Something wrong can turn out right because of the sovereignty of God. In verse 12, that's exactly what Paul says. He says, you know, know, this thing that happened to me by getting thrown in jail has actually served to advance the gospel. I thought I was going to preach out there. I'm not. I got thrown in here. And then I thought, oh, wait a second. Look what God's doing. He's using this situation as only God could, and I'm preaching to everyone in here. And friend, that's the power of the sovereignty of God. It creates an expectancy in your mind where you you say, well, I don't know. I don't like being where I am. I don't know what's going on here. But you know what? I can't wait to see what God does with this situation. I can't wait to, I don't just run around with my hands up in the air. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I put my hands like this in prayer saying, God, what are you going to do? Because I know the sovereignty of God promises that God is going to finish what he started and I'm going to be able to have a story to tell. And I'm telling you right now, this whole coronavirus thing, God wants to do something in your life, in our church, in this community. He's going to take this thing that's bad and turn it because he's sovereign and he's in control. So we got to let him do it. You've you got to live with expectancy on that. Like, what are you going to do, God? He wants to use this situation to teach you. You're going to learn something. You can grow in some way. You know, there's all kinds of opportunities that are going to come by us. God's never met a situation where he's like, oh, I don't, I'm stumped now. I don't know what to do about this one. Didn't see that coming. Oh, my gosh, there's no oral spring training. I don't know what to do. God's never been in that situation. God is in control. Now, let's talk about that word control for a minute because we want it and we don't really have it. A lack of control creates a sense of fear, right? Isn't that true? A lack of control creates a sense of fear. When you're certain about something, that's easy. You know, you're you're not afraid. You know the outcome. You're in control, right? But it's when you're uncertain, you're like, what's going to happen next? I don't know the outcome. That that creates all that energy. Now, sometimes it's kind of fun. That's why we love March Madness, right? There's nothing better than watching a live basketball game in real time. You don't know the outcome. And you're like biting your nails, jumping up and down, waiting to see what happens. And it's kind of fun when it's a sporting event. It's not fun when it's your life and you don't have control and you don't know what's going to happen. Control, when we lose it, is when we begin to feel anxiety. Now, there was a study done after World War II, and it was among um, combat and soldiers, and they were trying to study the emotional impact of of who weathered the, the storm of combat better. And no one was surprised that the soldiers who were down in the trenches fared the worst. Like a few days of constant attack where they didn't know where the bullets were coming from or tear gas or mustard gas or if they, if they should run or hide or if they should hide where. You know, that totally exhausting and it, it affected their ability to cope with life. Their anxiety level was off the charts. What was surprising is that one group was relatively calm among all the other groups. And you know who it was? It was the fighter pilots. Now, fighter pilots had the highest mortality rate. The highest death rate, about one out of every two fighter pilots in World War II died in combat. And yet, 93% of them said they would sign up and re-enlist immediately. They had the highest death rate, the lowest anxiety rate, and the highest level of calm. Why? They dug into it, and here's what they found. The reason the fighter pilots had that result is that they had a sense of control. 
they literally had their hands on the controls, and they could control the, where that plane was going and, where, and then where they could shoot the bullets and all of that. They were steering the plane, whereas the soldiers on the ground were just vulnerable to whatever bullets were flying and the attacks of others. But the pilots at least felt like they had some kind of control. And if you feel like you're controlling your destiny, even if it goes badly, it creates a, at least an illusion of calm. And friends, I... I think this is why everyone goes to buy toilet paper right now. It's why you can't get toilet paper at the store. Does toilet paper solve the coronavirus? No, it does not. Okay? It won't help you with the virus. But I can get a hold of something and give myself the illusion that I'm doing something, I'm in control, and I'm preparing, and I've done something, right? You know, people are dying and, and, you know, this thing is spreading all over the planet, but I'm not scared. I've got Charmin. See, it gives us the illusion of control. And we love to have control. Even when we don't have control, we love the illusion of it. So we put a bubble wrap around our kids. We put a helmet on them. We, we don't get into relationships if we think we could get hurt because we want to control everything. And I, I tell you, I love control. People who work with me will tell you that. I, 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 I have to come to terms and burst my own bubble and yours right now and give you some news. You're not in control. You are not in control. You can eat vegan and eat granola and exercise every day of your life and you are still going to... You, you could have a heart attack or a stroke or get hit by a beer truck just like that. You're not in control. You can love money and hide money and invest money and save money and protect your money, but you can still get it stolen or lose it in a collapse like that. You can protect your kids and pray for your kids and cover your kids and do all the safety courses and all that, and you know what? Stuff still happens to your loved ones, and I'm not trying to be depressing. I'm reminding us you can't control everything. You're not in control. In fact, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. And this is why you know who is the most anxious? Control freaks. People who are insistent on controlling everything because that's how they're going to be in control. Well, you know what? They're very anxious. And to a degree, we're all like that. And that's why right now is such a hard time because some of the things that we thought we had control over, it's like, you know, we don't. And our confidence is shaken a little bit. And Paul says, not me. I'm confident. What's he confident in? Himself? No. Is he confident in his plans? Nope. Those weren't working out. Was he confident in his safety? Nope. He had no guarantee. What he's confident in is God because he knows God is in control. He believes in divine sovereignty. He knows it in his his head, his belief, and it's affecting his behavior. And so Paul says, instead of trying to control everything, you know what you need to do? Surrender control of everything to God. God's the only one who's in control anyway. So you might as well quit pretending like you're a fighter pilot, like that's going to, you're still going to get shot down. Surrender control of everything and then put it into practice. We need to do this right now, I think. Let me just ask you, you know, if you can think of some areas of your life where you need to, you're trying to control it. You're grabbing it like a roll of toilet paper, like it's going to solve something. You know, you're trying to control that teenage kid of yours trying to control your spouse, trying to control every situation at work and make it all come out exactly how you want it to. You're trying to control the coronavirus. I don't know. How's that working out for you, right? It doesn't work out very well. We can surrender it, though, to the only one who is in control, the sovereign God who reigns on high, 
and rest in the strength and goodness of that God. And that's what we need to be able to do. The absence of problems is not the way we get to peace. We get to peace by surrendering everything to the only one who is in control to begin with. God is in control. He's large and he's never been surprised or given a situation that he can't handle. So do you believe in divine sovereignty? Do you believe God's in control? How firm is your faith in that belief? Because that will determine your behavior. Let me leave you with this. Think about it this way. Imagine three uh, passengers on a commercial flight, okay? Southwest Airlines or something like that. And they're all three sitting in a row. You, you got the window seat guy and you got the middle seat guy and you got the lady on the aisle. And they're all doing that, you know, kind of nonchalant elbow fighting for the armrest thing. And then before they take off, as they start to get in the air, they start to have a little conversation about the pilot of the plane. The guy next to the window says, well, I don't think this plane even has a pilot. I, I, I mean, I came by, the door was closed. Why do you think the door's closed? Because they don't want us to see there's nobody in there. There's no pilot. I've never seen him. I think we're some kind of drone up here. Maybe there's someone down in controls that looks on a screen once in a while, but we're on our own up here. And the guy in the middle seat says, oh, I don't think that's right at all. I think there's a pilot. I just, I just don't think he's awake. I've seen these pilots. You know why they close the door? It's because they read a book until they get sleepy, and then they fall asleep. They just kick back. I've seen them walking around the airport with a pillow and, and a book. I, I know. I, I think we got a pilot, but I don't, he ain't flying this plane, and he's, he's disengaged, and he's asleep. And the lady on the aisle, she's calm as a cucumber. The other two guys are very nervous about their situation. And she says, you know what, guys? I'll tell you something. This plane definitely has a pilot. And he's a good pilot. He's a competent pilot. He's experienced. And he's alert. And nobody cares more about getting you and all of us safely home more than our pilot. And I, I can tell you this absolutely because... I had breakfast with him this morning because the, the pilot is my husband. Okay, so that's pretty much the options we got. You got, you got someone who, who says there's no pilot, someone who says there's a pilot who's sleeping on the job and someone who says, I know the pilot and he's good and you can trust him. Fast forward 15 minutes and that plane hits rough turbulence. Okay, some rough air, and they're bouncing around like popcorn in a bag. And you ask yourself, now, what's their attitude right now? How do their beliefs affect their behavior in that moment? Do you think it matters whether they believe the Lord is near and the Lord is control? You better believe it does. The one next to the window and the one in the middle are totally freaked out and panicked. And the woman on the aisle, she may not like the turbulence. She may even be upset in her stomach, but I promise you this, she is not panicked She's got peace. Why? She knows the pilot. She trusts the pilot. She's got a relationship. Let me ask you a big question today, friends. Who's flying your plane? Who's flying your plane? That's the question. We're all up in the air right now. We got some turbulence. It's going on. Our our, our societies are definitely feeling it. And what you believe about God will determine how you get through these turbulent times. And God's Word's given us some beautiful counsel here. Around you will be some people who will say, I don't, I don't think there is a God. I, don't think we're, I think we're all on our own here. And they're going to try to control everything. And guess what? They're going to be anxious because they can't. 
There's going to be some other people who's going to say, I suppose there's a God, but you know what? He isn't helping much, or he's, he's asleep on the job, and they're going to be anxious too. But you can say, I am confident. With Paul, I am confident. You can say with millions of other people, you can say it with me, you can say it with the whole mountain family that there's a God who cares and is in control. His hands are on the controls, and he actually knows what he's doing. He knows every passenger by name. He knows you, and he wants nothing more than to get you home safely. I hope you will take steps to know that God through this whole storm we're in right now. Wouldn't it be cool if God used this whole coronavirus thing to bring you to God in a way you haven't been in a long time? Or maybe ever. We can still do baptisms. The governor didn't say we couldn't do that. You contact us and we'll figure out a way to help you take your step to know Christ. And if you have been baptized and you're a believer, this is the time. To say, I, I, I love and I know that pilot. Have breakfast with him. Have lunch with him. And have him bring you safely home. My friend, uh, go to the CDC for information about washing your hands and all of that. But CDC, we're going to cover the last one in the future. We're going to do the first two today. Calm is contagious. D is divine sovereignty. Trust that God's flying the plane. Let's wrap our time up together now with um, a time of communion. I want to invite you to do that. I know, I hope some of you put some things aside a, a little bit ago to, um, to participate together with this. So let's just take a moment right now and have a time of reflection to think about some things and let God anchor in your spirit things that you need to do to put this into practice, as Paul says. So uh, before we rush off and get to the part about kids and families, which is another coming right after this. It's going to be great, but let's just pray together and then we'll have a time of communion together, okay? Let's, let's bow and pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we're not ever alone. We pray that we would be able to feel Jesus near us and know that he is with us, Emmanuel, that that would calm us right now. And God, we thank you that you're in control and that you sent Jesus as Lord, as the one who reigns and is sovereign. And how we went to the cross and then to the grave and then rose again and reigns now on high. And Lord, we just want to say, will you be the Lord of our lives? We want to give you control of our lives and stop trying to take control. We surrender to you our lives and the things in our lives that keep us from you. Be sovereign over us. We ask this and we offer this in the name of Jesus. Amen. come together, whether it's in our physical locations or like we are today online, something special happens. And I hope that today has been a blessing to you. The Spirit of God has spoken to you and brought peace into your life in some way. 
you know, uh, if you're here, if you're going to hang on and join us for the family session coming up, hang on tight. We're going to get there soon. But I do want to encourage you as we wrap up our time together today to hop online and go to our social media handles and make sure you're staying connected because we are not going to stop meeting together. It's just going to look a little bit different. It's going to be digital. But we're going to continue to do the good work that God has called us to do. And if you're new around here, I want to say a big hello to you. Uh, your first experience worshiping at Mountain might be today online. Make sure you type that into the chat room. Say, hi, I'm new, and, and click on that e-connection card and let us know that you're here. Uh, we want to say hi to you and reach out and help point you to a physical location so that uh, when we're able to meet together again, we can put a gift in your hand and welcome you home here at Mountain. And as we close our time together, we want to do uh, that the way that we have been the last several weeks together and reciting the scripture from Philippians chapter 4, allowing it to be a moment of peace that overcomes us. So wherever you're sitting right now, participating in this service, let's say these words together once again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be blessed this week. Be a blessing this week. Find a way to serve those in need, to be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. And we'll see you next time we worship together. Well, hey, welcome families. Man, it's so good to be together today. My name is Jenny. I'm one of the kids pastors here. And I thought that we might start off with a little bit of fun. Who's ready for some fun? Yeah, me too. Okay, so we're going to play a little charades. And today's theme is things that people might be afraid of. Are you guys ready? Okay, so I'm gonna act it out. Now here's where it's gonna get fun. You guys are gonna yell out what you think it is as loud as you can. Are you guys ready? All right, we need everybody involved, the whole family. So are you ready? All right, let's go. First one. All right, what do you guys think that was? Go ahead, shout it out. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I'll tell you what it was. It was me watching a scary movie. And of course, I was eating popcorn too. All right, let's try this again. Number two is... All right, go ahead, yell it out. What was that? What might I be afraid of? <laughs> Definitely not a goldfish, whoever said that. What do you think it was? Yell it out. A lion. That's right. Can you imagine if you're like walking through the jungle and then there it is? That would be pretty scary. Okay, our last one is something I'm very afraid of. Very. Okay, here's what it looks like. You ready? Of course, I am very afraid of sharks. Don't want to see one ever. 
Well, you know what? That's fun, and it's fun to talk about things that we're afraid of and kind of laugh about it. But one thing that we can do together this morning and that we can do together well is we're going to worship our awesome God. And kids, you know how to do this well, so we need parents, kids, the whole family. We are going to stand up, and we are going to sing to our awesome God. Get ready. You've unlocked the next level. Hey guys, Caleb here. Great job worshiping. Did you know that there are over 530 diagnosed phobias or fears? Fear is real and it's a big thing that everyone faces every single day. And in order to beat fear, you need to know one thing. Are you ready? It's called the fearless code. You know what fear is like, right? I mean, for those of you who play games, picture a creeper on Minecraft. Yeah, those green goblins that creep up behind you while making that really scary hissing noise. I mean, you're playing the game, you're feeling confident, and then bam, everything gets messed up. You know how it goes. You just spent hours getting everything built perfect and ready to go. You're feeling confident, proud, and good, and then all of a sudden, a creeper shows up to wreak havoc. Fear is like a creeper. It sneaks up on us and causes one of two reactions. It makes us want to stay inside where it's safe or to run around like crazy. Anyway, those creepers keep you from being where you want to be. And you know what? It's the exact same thing with fear. Fear, if uncontrolled, makes us do weird things like run and hide or just stay put and freeze. Fear, it's a pretty interesting thing. On one hand, God has designed us with a healthy defense mechanism to warn us of real danger. Like when we see a bear or a rattlesnake, we know we are in danger. This is a healthy kind of fear. And you probably shouldn't go up to old Fang Face himself and give him a big kiss, right? But if that unhealthy fear causes you to be scared of even going hiking or you jump whenever you hear something rustling in the bushes, then that's not so good either. The fears that paralyze us or cause us to act out in an illogical way need to be dealt with. And if we allow fear to control us, then we aren't living the life of adventure God has for us. Now, people are afraid of a lot of different things. 
Some people are afraid of heights, others water, germs, shots, spiders, snakes, bees, afraid of being alone, afraid of being in crowds, or afraid of clowns, which you can't blame them on that. Clowns are pretty scary. But when these fears come our way, we can either freak out or stand strong and be fearless. Gosh, if only there was a product to help us. We interrupt this regularly scheduled program for a very important product that we think everyone should have. Have you heard of Fear Be Gone? Fear Be Gone takes away all of your fears instantaneously. Let me show you how it works. Are you afraid of tiny boats? Fear Be Gone! Are you afraid of insects? Fear Be Gone! How about sharks? Fear Be Gone! This product can be yours for three easy payments of $19.99. One last one. Are you afraid of your own shadow? Unfortunately, we don't have a product like Fear Be Gone. We have something that is more reliable. We have the Bible, God's Word, which is His instruction manual for us, and it gives us commands to know and follow Him. And did you know that there is a command that Jesus gives His followers more than any other in the Bible? Can you guess what it is? Love one another? No, that's a good one, but no. Give to the poor? No. Honor your father and mother? No. All of those are good, but the number one command God gives us over and over throughout Scripture is this. Fear not. That's right. Fear not. Over 365 times in the Bible, there's a command about fear. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand firm. Trust God. Over 365 times. That's at least one command for every day of the year. So what's God trying to tell us there? God's telling us to be fearless. One of my favorite verses about being fearless comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says this, Do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, for those of us who follow Jesus, the Bible says that God's Spirit is in us. As followers of Jesus, we are being transformed. No longer do we need to be paralyzed by fear and worry. Instead, we can experience the boldness of God. Check this out. I mean, our God, He's no wimp. He is mighty. He is powerful. And there is no one like our God. He spoke everything into existence with His very words. Through his power and might, he parted the Red Sea and protected his people from the Egyptians. Through his power and might, he destroyed the walls of Jericho. Through his might, he helped a young shepherd boy defeat a giant with just a sling and a stone. With his power and might, he shut the mouths of lions when one of his followers was facing certain death. Through his power and might, he raised Jesus from the dead, defeating fear, defeating sin, defeating death. This awesome, powerful, and mighty God is the same God who is with you every single day. You know, every time you step on a school bus, God is with you. Every time you walk down the halls of your school, God is with you. Every time you have to go to the doctor's office, even then, God is with you. Every time you invite a friend to join you at church, God is with you. And the spirit that God gives us is not timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
So how about you? Right now, where you're sitting, what are some of the fears you are facing? What are some of those creepers that cause you to freeze and stay where it's safe or cause you to run around and act a little crazy? Think about it for a moment. One of the first steps in defeating fear is to identify it. God wants you to have an exciting, bold, and fearless life. You know, at the beginning, I told you that I would share with you the fearless code. This is the code that if you plug it into your life, you can overcome any fear. Are you ready for the first part of the code? Are you sure? Here it is. The first part is this. God is bigger than my fears. God is bigger. This week, whenever you feel that fear creeping into your life, I want you to stop and say, God is bigger than my fears. In fact, say it right now. Everybody stand up with me. Let's say it together. Here we go. God is bigger than my fears. Listen, God is bigger than my fears. God is bigger than my worries. God is bigger than the creepers that are in my life. Remember, the spirit God gives does not make us timid, doesn't make us scared, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So this week, I want you to go out and be adventurous, courageous followers of Jesus, and do not be afraid. Hey, that was an awesome message that we just heard. And I love that bottom line for today, that God is bigger than our fears. Man, that's something that I don't ever want to forget. I'll tell you what helps me remember that is when I think about what God has to say. And we have an awesome verse that we've been working on. Actually, parents, you've been working on this too. And it's from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Parents, if you have it memorized, you can say it with your kids because we're going to say it together right now. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, we have to remember that always because God is bigger than our fears. Hey parents, this is for you. We wanna make sure you know what comes next. So we're gonna ask you to just go ahead and check the website. There's an awesome link that's gonna help you connect with some parent discussion questions that you can do next. It's gonna be great. So make sure you find a comfy spot around the living room and make some time to talk about these questions together as a family. Also wanna let you know that we have some great parent resources that will also help you talk about fear and anxiety, things that we don't need to worry about because of Jesus. So make sure you check those out too. But for now, let's pray and let's close our time together as you prepare to begin your family discussion questions. God, we're so grateful for all that we learned today and we got to worship together. God, thanks for the reminder that you are bigger than anything that we can ever fear or worry about. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And God, help us to live that out in powerful ways this week. And together we say, amen.